When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Shillive, a very special occasion as we reach 100 episodes and what better way to celebrate with two Nottingham Forest legends <laughs> and David Crutton. <laughs> I wrote that down while I was coming 30 over seconds here. to dig me out. I know, it didn't take long. Hello David Crutton, how are you? I'm very well, it's an absolute honour to be here, it's lovely. Well I should say where we are for people who are listening, we are at the City Ground, those of you watching on YouTube and Facebook can see the magnificent background behind us as we have the Peter Taylor stand in the background. Uh, joining us also is a former Forest Manager and player in Paul Hart. Hello Paul, are you well? Evening Matt, it's, uh, I'm very well, thank you. Good. And also completing the panel today is Forest Legend Gary Bertels. Hello Gary, you well? Good afternoon, yes, very well, thank you. Is yeah. it evening or afternoon? What's it's it? afternoon still. Ah, okay. <laughs> good, good. Oh, Art become a bit... I've forgetful. been up a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just four o'clock this morning. <laughs> what's it like being back here? I mean, perhaps what's your first... Do you have a first memory of this place? Uh, I do, actually. It was um, coming and actually signing when Dave... Bassett was the manager the professional forms because a lot of what we did in the youth team was obviously in and out the boot room and then walking down to the training ground and it, if you were a schoolboy you'd come in on a Saturday morning and play your games and bugger off before you got in trouble which was the kind of the way we went about it but um, I was we just chatting before he came on but one of the formative ones of being on the staff if you like was watching as a ball boy um Man, you put eight, eight past Forest <laughs> on a, quite a dark day. <laughs> but being, but, but the great thing was because we would have played on on the on the on Saturday morning, and then we yeah. tear ass down here, get all the boots ready, and it's uh, and, and then clean the dressing rooms afterwards. But the real kind of vivid memory of Scholes and Beckham playing mm. the type of football that you kind of think, I oh, would man doing that, mm-hmm. which is obviously a bit of a moonshot. But it was. Um, but that, that was the, the kind of abiding memories and just coming into the, the car park going to the wrong reception which is now moved to where the study support centre used to be when I was doing my kind of studies and, and we'd, we'd get um, a big group of lads doing their GMBQs and, and basically just getting other people to do a lot of work for them on that half a day of the week they did your school work but it's amazing it's such a warm place and, and the little bits of it might have changed but I, I've been choosing to see what the fellas said but the, the feeling never ever changes it feels exactly the same it's, it's a warm place but unlike where we're sat now it's absolutely <laughs> Baltic we said we'd say nice things about Forest thank you to Forest for hosting us yeah it's very kind of them has it changed much Gary it's obviously where we're sat now is like Euro 96 this was built but and there's the evolution of the ground in general does it always feel, have that same feeling for you whenever you come back I think it does without a doubt you know the main stand's the main stand it's, uh, it's always been there since time immemorial yeah it's been tossed up a bit hasn't it the, the whole ground at uh, certain points but just hope that the main stand now gets built if, uh, mm. because of Covid it's it's been put back be lovely to see that you know, become part of the stadium when obviously Paul you were here as a player you see manager and manager I was curious like when managers walk out here and they hear Muller Kintyre for the first time coming through that tunnel you must remember that you know when you were manager here for the first time yeah I I um I've got uh, fantastic, fantastic memories of coming to Nottingham Forest, mainly because of my colleagues when, when I when I came here, who were absolutely fantastic. We had great fun. Two years, standards were high. You know, you you couldn't do anything. Those standards we tried to carry on through our boys, one of which was David, uh, as we went on. You know, and we talked about not only being a good footballer but being a good person you know our education system was second to none we taught them or asked them to be uh, mindful to you know say yes please and no thank you and good morning and all that sort of stuff and it was as equally as big as being uh, a decent footballer 
and uh, so when I come back here you know uh, it's uh, and one thing that does stand in my mind when I came back with Crystal Palace was after about 15 minutes or something everybody sort of stood up and uh, you know remembered me and it was uh, fantastic you know it was great I, I love it I love it here it's a it's a wonderful football club with great the one thing I remember about him was on his debut in our own box because he obviously a great centre half balls come across most centre halves would have headed it away he's just brought it down on his chest casually and just played a ping the ball about another 30 yards straight to a, one of the players feet and the gaffer said afterwards he said that's why I bought him <laughs> that's why I bought him what's your first meeting with Brian Clough man? I've never asked you this everyone seems to have a first Brian Clough story what's yours well uh, first one really was um, uh, when he came to I got a phone call on um, this was two days after the season had finished. We played Rotherham in the last game. We'd been relegated the year before. And we played uh, uh, Rotherham last game of the season. And uh, I got a phone call on the Monday morning after the Saturday game. Uh, so it was the end of the season from Eddie Gray, who was then the manager at Leeds United. And he said, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a first division club want to speak to you and I said oh right so I said uh, uh, he, he obviously thought I'd been tapped or something like that <laughs> he says do you, do you know who it is or do you want me to tell you yes. I, said, I said well tell me tell me so he said it was Nottingham Forest and that was the first I'd heard about it he said uh, Brian Clough's coming over this evening there was a reserve game at uh, Ellen Road be, be at the uh, in my office at uh, 6 o'clock so I drove over and knocked on the door. It was Eddie Gray's office, and, and uh, come in. That, you know. And I said, uh, "Good evening, Mister Clough. Uh, <laughs> call me Brian." <laughs> well, I never did. <laughs> and I know the end of it. No. And he said, uh, "He said, um, cut a long story short." He says, "Well, if you think you're getting the money at my place that you're getting here." then you have to think again so I took a drop in wages and he said and I'm not going to leave until you sign <laughs> so, <laughs> so I took a drop in wages and went it was the best thing I ever did well, you must have had plenty of not run-ins with him but you came back here from Man United I mean, that's a familiar kind of story isn't it trying to haggle over contracts and everything well, I, I, I was the stupidest man in the world when I came back from Manchester United because I signed the whole signing on fee, I signed that off the then chairman of Manchester United met me in the car park at Old Trafford and he said if you if you go in you don't get your signing on money, I said not bothered, I'll just go and I came back for half what I was getting at United because <laughs> I just wanted to get back and play football, simple as that and that's, that's the draw of this place that was a draw of Brian Clough mm. you, know, you just couldn't wait to come back and play for him and I scored on my debut coming back again as well so uh, unlike my Manchester United days of course well you, you say that I mean I oh, it has a mass, massive respect for him as a player and uh, sometimes some cl clubs are made for you and you know it's difficult you know they, they played a different way I remember saying to you on the pitch one day I said it'll all I think I said to you I think this will all change don't worry you know because he, he was he's a, one of the best centre forwards I've uh, played played with him up the backside. well well, every time we played I knew what was going to happen boot, every time I didn't I boot as hard him. as I booted other people <laughs> <laughs> I bet he smiled at you when he did it as well when you were down on the floor you just knew it was going to happen would so. there be much in the sense of actually being on the pitch about talking to each other if you're on the opposition side would, would you try and get under each other's skin yeah or? well yeah it's, it's nothing was nasty part of the performance no, I, isn't it really like yeah. you wanted to be better than who yeah. you played against isn't yeah it? I've, I've uh, oh dear me I've, I've never been booked for dissent, but everything else I have. And, <laughs> no no surprise the there, then, is there? I mean, now yeah. now there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. I could. Oh, you, you wouldn't get away with half a thing. No, no, no. Plus, it, and again, it, it's that sense of it being because I think we're, we're covering slightly different areas there, where it has got more and more vanilla. So that sense of it being a battle, of it being you get one, two, three, four, perhaps attempts early doors from the referee. Yeah. You don't even get one anymore, do you? No, but also. I don't think defending has improved 
that much I've got to be perfectly honest in the, in the basics when when you saw a player coming at you with his studs showing mm. you knew he was going to he meant it yeah, yeah. and he was going to ground and he meant what was coming, what yeah. was coming. Yeah, yeah. now people go to ground because they're lazy because mm. they don't want to do the defending is a skill and an art for me and you, there's no shortcuts so dive you know like how many penalties do you mm. see given away you know for people just rashly Madness. diving yeah. in mm. you know instead oh, you know from 26 onwards I never got my short well I did now and again but I didn't get my shorts dirty because it was stay on your feet shove them away be patient and all that sort of stuff well I played I, at the end of my career I played there I played the centre half here and that, that was that worried me boy well because <laughs> because I always said this tough job this centre half <laughs> then, the, the, the best centre forward in England then turns up the centre back and I nearly got picked for England hey I nearly got picked for England apparently apparently so somebody told me but I didn't who were you playing for me Forrest you playing centre half here? Yeah, played my debut was against um, Woodcock and Charlie Nicholas oh, for right. Arsenal. I played against Andy Gray and uh, Simon Stainrod. Oh right. So were yeah. your partner in, in defence? I'm trying to think who it was. What, when was this? What year was this? Well, the gaffer he asked me to. But this must be before. We I played came. in the FA Cup and we played Blackburn away. Uh, I think it was Blackburn away, and I'd, I'd been injured and I was on the coach, not sure whether I was playing up front or not. And we got to the ground and he said, Gaz, do you fancy playing centre-half? <laughs> an, hour, an hour and ten minutes before the kick. Well, I said, yeah, why not? And uh, yeah. the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, played centre-half, really enjoyed it. Yeah, because as a striker, you, you know where, you know, players are going to run and what they're going to do and what you have to do to stop them a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's how it came about. Uh, but then we we played the replay down here and I was sent half and at half time for no reason at all he slaughtered me in the dressing room saying right get up front second half and get me a goal <laughs> and he said if you if you said if you score a goal he didn't go, give me the V sign and I scored the goal the equaliser <laughs> and I gave him the V sign <laughs> and he went give me that sign he went <laughs> so I remember that very vividly when you um, talk about defence like that then Paul is, is that why you brought Des Walker back thinking back to players of that ilk uh, yeah, I, I, I brought Des back, uh, and he hadn't played for a year. Had he? Mm-hmm. he bought, I brought him back in because uh, Dos was coming in, and he was a young lad, and I just because of uh, his upbringing, Des's upbringing, and where he was and where where he'd been, I knew that uh, he'd find a way. Mm. You know, mm. you find you find a way. You know, and uh, and I thought. Overall, he was pretty good for us, wasn't he? But just yeah. just a good a fellow yeah. result because I used to get changed next to Des, which meant that you and you fellas probably can relate to this that I'd just sit and get talked at until we went to training <laughs> by Des, then talked through the game by Des, talked at all the way back down from training, and then talked at until he went. Like, Jesus Christ, he did like a gab, <laughs> he, he still does because <laughs> whatever you'd done, he'd done with yeah. I think I, I think, I, I, think I actually played alongside him, centre off. That's what you want yeah I think it, I think, and Ian Butterworth came with Stuart Pearce mm. so I would have played with uh, Ian Butterworth because Pearcey was the mate weight of that, that deal yeah, yeah. you know Butterworth was the main signing and Pearcey came mm. and look what happened there um, yeah so they would have they would have been yeah, the ones uh, played uh, Des made his debut I played in the team made it, when he made his debut I think it was against Everton I'm not sure um Tell us about Paul, then, now I've got you here together. Don't, <laughs> blow, don't blow too much smoke up his ass. I can tell he hates it. Well, but it's, it's, but it's, it would genuinely be hard not to, because the <laughs> group of lads that I came up with, it, it's not an understatement to say that without him being here, then I wouldn't have managed to fudge my way through doing what I did for a living for 15 years or so, because all the things that Paul was saying about coming in... so. It was the first time I'd been away from home, and it was only Hull, but 90 miles when you're 60 miles away. We had a big Irish contingency, we had a big Scottish contingency, we had Carlos Marino, obviously, from Spain, and we had a great melting pot all in the digs, just obviously over mm. the back, down Collet Road. And it's the first time away from home, and he, he always used to say about, I don't mind rogues, as long as you're honest rogues, I can, I can work with that, and I think we did have a few rogues in that kind yeah, of Yeah, we did. But they were <coughs> the type of lads that everybody was here first and foremost because they wanted to be a footballer but 
divvied into that, which looking back and you don't know whether what you think, what you remember is actually the truth or whether it's a bit kind of sepia tinted, but there was no sense of anyone trying to elbow anyone else out of the way. Yeah. It was almost like we had just a huge race to get into the, into the first team, but everyone was on the same line and everyone set off at the same speed and everyone was helping each other through to try and get to where they needed to go. And he was... I've mentioned, I've mentioned it talking to other people before about the firmness that he showed, the discipline that he showed, um, the brutal honesty that he showed. But what the mirror image of all that is, you're away from home for the first time, you've not seen your mum and dad every day, you're not seeing the people that love you and nurture you and, and want the best out of you. And that's exactly what he did. He wanted the absolute best out of you as a, as a person first and foremost. Didn't want to hang around with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Wanted to bring up yeah. a group of lads that respected each other. More, more probably more importantly respected themselves to be able to be yeah. as nice people as possible. And he would go to war for any of us. Absolutely go to war for any of us. And uh, it was and it's it's different and difficult <clears throat> when you talk about it now about what adolescents need to become hopefully fairly rounded human beings and adults. But when you talk about coming in here and the magic of this place and feeling on your toes and alive every single day, because some days it'd be, right, no boots today, get your trainers on, the track's not necessarily here anymore, is it? But the mm. little track you had to go tear ass and around in. We used to do 12 minute runs that it got us down to nine and a half minutes. Mm. The only team that did 12 minute runs in nine and a half minutes because it was like, just run your off quick, let's get this done, and it'll make him happy. It's great because you need that. You need somebody pushing you on. You, you, we can all be inherently ambitious, and I mean, Gaz's roots obviously a little bit different coming into the get into the professional game, slightly older. But as you do as a as a younger kid, those little stepping stones of having the right mentors. And mentors, it, it, mentor is the right word to use because it absolutely encapsulated all that he wanted us to be, which was the best. It sounds a bit no, but it's, it's the best version of yourself. You're not allowed to say things like that. <laughs> so we, we, we can we can blank all this off afterwards. I don't think so. There'll be an E next yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. to he, yeah. He's mentioned he's having the words of the day and encapsulated. <laughs> yeah. No, he's coming out with all these. Mix that's what Paul Hart. Down, that's that's what Paul Hart has done for <laughs> David Brutton. He's <laughs> 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 just blown it. <laughs> Educating. Education. Do you do you not like hearing that? Uh, uh, people bigging you up, and maybe that's one of the reasons you were no, so good I, at I, it. I, well, look, no, no. I, I'm very grateful because I, I do realise that uh, I, I was tough mm. uh, with them, be, you know, because I wanted them to succeed. I, there was absolutely no point being here if you weren't going to go uh, as as high as you possibly could, and and with all the other things we did. So, so for me, I, it's it was the best job. You know, I, I I took a job at Leeds United in the same uh, the same thing. Uh, for the first time working with kids and f what I, I did exactly the same I took the principal I thought where can I start here you know uh, so I took all of, I went back to Nottingham I didn't go back physically but I went back to Nottingham Forest about uh, the kids that uh, were around Nottingham Forest uh, at the time the way that uh, the Nottingham Forest players were in the dressing room the respect they had and all that sort of stuff what the young kids did and I just I thought I'll start there mm. so so you say yes please no thank you all that sort but of it, stuff it, you, know. you know it's that, that saying remember who you are where you are and yeah. who you represent that's what the mm. gaffer used to say mm. and that's always stuck in my mind and my, my dad bless him he always used to say remember the people on your way up because yeah. they'll remember you on the way down if mm. you're, you don't you know show yeah. you know appreciated to them and you're not you know polite and play, exactly what you're saying yeah. and you just go and look at David now and Michael Dawson Jermaine Genus, Andy yeah. Reid, people you had at that yeah. particular point, they're the four I remember, yeah. and they're all cracking lads. Yeah. You know, they've done really well, they speak, they're articulate, and it's, it's important, I think, to have that as well as the football ability because Absolutely. it helps you in later life. You know, one of the nicest things that happened to me, uh, I was. Pulling hamstring on the, the, <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the plane steps at Heathrow. <laughs> uh, all right, second best thing. <laughs> the. Um, uh, I was in Knox County just uh, like on a consultancy just helping Sean Derry out uh, and all that and I was with the under 18s up at um, Arnold Towns football ground and uh, uh, somebody came in and says somebody outside to see you so I went outside it was Foy really? it was Keith Foy yeah, yeah. and Keith we had a Keith was a wonderful 
technician. Gorgeous yeah, foot. Fantastic, yeah. you know. Foot. But we had a, a little bit of a battle with um, how we should probably focus. Really, focus. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's a good word. Uh, but we liked him. I mean, he was a great lovely lad. Kid, wasn't yeah, he was a lovely lad. And um, and he came. And I says, I says, Keith, what are you doing? He said, Well. I was visiting. I just wanted to come and see you, and I thought I was just brilliant, you know. But it's, it, but it, but it, it, it's, it's <clears throat> and, and you look back at it as we all do because there's no going back. As you constantly life's moving forward, but you, you come here at a time. So I came at 16 when all there is is what you're going to do, and it's and it's it's and as you get older, you have kids and different things come into the equations about what it is to be an adult. But that that was it. We eat, sleep, breathe. I mean, repeat. Day in, day out, and it, it was it was amazing because it, it was it was a vocational thing that you got on board with straight away. It was your passion. You were lucky enough to get into a position where you could do it, um, and it was something that we never ever took for granted. I don't think. No, I don't think so. But it was amazing talking about David. David, uh, an intelligent boy, needed to fulfil his academic uh, dreams as well. And so we, we worked really hard with that, didn't we? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. With our education yeah. department, was fantastic. And uh, um, and and prior to him coming in and signing, uh, we set up gym sessions for him in, mm-hmm. with John Hawley. John Hawley over in Hull, yeah. In Hull, didn't we? Just so, you know, because it was a long way to come on training nights, so he had to do some work. Yeah, and, uh, to get you up. It's, yeah. it's funny, when, you, when I was thinking about coming in and we were talking about the dynamics and stuff, and there was... Um, because I, cause I said about going to the study centre and I was doing an A-level and the lads were doing a few other bits and we, there was one game down at Boots which I think I'd come back from playing for the under-18s or something and Paul's love, lovely way of making sure that, like well done but don't get carried away would more often than not like half time of the next game that you play you were getting it <laughs> you just keep your head down keep your head down. and it was it there was and, and again, it was stuff that was said in front of each other, which I always thought was was part of growing up and part of be developing as, as a younger person. Because to be able to withstand a load of people not liking what you're doing, you've got mm. to withstand being able to put up with your peers seeing you in a position like that. And there, there was one time that sticks out when Paul talks about um, because, as you know, I like to talk a lot and like to say <laughs> big words. And all rubbish, but uh, instead of uh, talking about intelligence, and he's talking about football intelligence, and this was in front of everyone in the dressing room, and in. Him, the one who talks a lot and thinks his brain. I've got more intelligence in my left nipple than he has in his whole body. <laughs> but like said with that stern fact, and then so the rest of the game plan. I just must have just tore ass around for the next. But obviously, you get back to the digs, and it's like sat over your tea, and it's like. <clears throat> Do you remember what he said? Yes, I remember what he said. Everybody, yeah, fine. Everyone laughing the reds up, and it and that was that was uh, that tested you in a way, but also brought you together because it was like. Everyone's fair game in in that dressing room down there. It was, mm. and you'd get whatever the dynamic was, or, or, or whatever was going on that particular day. But it was all character building, a bit of an overused phrase. But it was stuff that I think generationally, like if you talk about the, the, the great stories you hear about Brian and what he did, and, and how he, what is now deemed to be streets ahead of what people are doing now, he was doing because that's that was his natural personality, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, you, people think. That other people invented stuff, but he—it's like the four-five-one. You always go back to that second European Cup final. You know, we're getting battered after ten minutes, and all of a sudden, there was no talk in the dressing room about you know if we were getting battered, you want to change the system. Ten minutes, he saw we're in, he saw we in trouble. Dropped Millsy back into midfield, left me up front by myself, and we defended. It's one of the best defensive performances. Mm. I, I saw it again the other night. I couldn't believe how good they were, Hamburg, on the night, and how good defensively we were on the night. As a team, not mm. just as you know, mm. I had to run and try and stop people coming out from the the uh, top end, and you know it's pressing from the front. I mean that'd be uh, just up in a different way, now, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Send it forward. I mean, I, ca- people down. I mean, I I came at a different you know time. I came at twenty, mm. you know, so I missed out on the apprenticeship sort of stuff. Which at those days it was sweeping the stands and all that sort of stuff, and cleaning the boots and. Um, so it was a different mantra for me to come into it, be thrown into the deep end, if you like, because at 15, I was about to take my exams, and I got the chance to go to Aston Villa for a month's trial. Mum and Dad let me miss my exams to go for it, and I got turned down. So then I had to come and sort of build a life outside of football, thinking my chance had gone. Then you get the second chance, and you, you know, coming into what I came into, 
you know, a team that was just about to take off was just incredible. Uh, you learned so much just sitting in that stand. And what I used to do when I wasn't in the team before I got my chance was look exactly what Tony Woodcock and Peter Wood used to do and thought, what can I do if I ever get the chance to play alongside either, either of them? Didn't look at anybody else on the pitch. Um, and you just try and learn by doing things like that because I missed out on that learning curve of being an apprentice and learning all the tough stuff, you know, at an early age. So, yeah. But we couldn't wait to come into work, could we, with Brian? It was just incredible. You never knew from one day to the next what the hell was going to happen. You know, I remember mm. uh, Mick Shannon and I think Kevin Keegan said they couldn't play for the gaffer because of, the, you know, the fear factor. There's no fear factor. No. You came in here with a smile on your face and it was just a joy to be out there because mm. you knew he trusted you implicitly. You know, you wouldn't have been playing, you wouldn't have been signed if he had not done it. And it was just, uh, it, you know... It, but it's just standards. Mm. And yeah, basic stuff. There has yeah. to be standards, and there has to be that gives you a be- the benchmark. And you know, everybody was treated the same, I think. And you know, they got uh, places to hit. Mm. And and the best thing was, if you hit those standards and hit that, you would get in this first team. And I think you know, a pathway is always important. But I don't think. Uh, uh, how I dealt with the players would be appropriate uh, today. Uh, there was no, I don't think there was bullying and in, in, in things like that. There was stern words and there was. So it's uh, an interpretive word, not bullying. People well, can put yeah, whatever opinion yeah, they want. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, it was strong and hard and harsh at times, but caring, I thought. But, we were left to sort it out between <coughs> ourselves in the dressing room. You know, if anything, if anybody was slacking or anything yeah. like that, one of the players, you know, because we had about six or seven captains in those days. You know, John McGovern was the captain, but you had a lot of vocality out there on the pitch, yeah. and you had people who'd step in if need be. I mean, you got Burns and Lloyd for mm. you know to start <laughs> with. It. So um, yeah, and the gaffer just used to let you get on with that in that respect. I remember, was it once in Spain? I think, oh, Lloydie got, I think Lloydie pinned Schultz up against the wall because live, he, he'd given a penalty away five, about five minutes before half time. And Schultz oh, remonstrated thought, with yeah. him. And he came in, he said, right, Schultz, I don't mind if you do it in the dressing room, but you don't do it out there. And he just lifted him up and said, right, okay. <laughs> but that, that's how it was, you know, that's, again, that was one of, I remember one of Paul's as well, like, the, the one who turns around with his arms in the air he said you're not doing it to tell your teammates you're doing it to tell everyone that's watching yeah, that you think yeah. what you've mm. done is crap like, and mm. more often than not you kind of know if you've missed a place but you don't need you at the front chucking your arms in there and that was one of the and we, no. I don't think we ever had that we never no I, mean, I, I have to think about that now you know some, somebody mm. on the pits goes mm. to the bench or whatever <laughs> drag him <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Mick McCarthy the other week he was talking yeah. about um getting feedback on to players and he's just about and it'll be intriguing to see what you take on this as well Paul the the way that it has changed characteristics and the personalities of players has changed but he said he could be on the side of the pitch and whisper well done across a pitch in a crowded stadium and get away from the winger <laughs> he could be screaming at someone 10 yards away to track back and he'd just get a deaf yeah. <laughs> deaf ear it's amazing what what Mm. That was on my list of questions because I, I think I've been quite ageist on this podcast saying the game's moved away from people like Chris Hewton and Mick McCarthy and Neil Warnock but is it more like Ooh. about evolution then because you know you're of that generation and you've moved with the times I guess so, uh, am I wrong there can they uh, no I've, I, I I think I have uh, you know I, I did uh, I was at the last where place I was Charlton and then Leeds I had a short spell back at Leeds and it, I was different and it was different um, uh, but I, I did keep the you know the coaching basics you know how to defend mm. how to control pass spin he taught me he taught me uh, Careful. So, so no no <laughs> when, I, when I came here it was a pre-season game and and I got the ball and I, and I, I was a good passer and he just went uh, boom like that and then spun off mm. 
and I went like that. I surprised. I got, I got surprised, <laughs> and and I chipped it, but it was a bad. It wasn't a great ball because I did it hurriedly. Mm. So I said to him after the game, I said, "That's the first time." He says, "Yeah, it's fine. if I'm coming short, yeah. I'm going long." Yeah. You know, I was thirty-two. <laughs> 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 never too old to learn, are we? No, never, never. never. Has, it, has it changed a lot in the way you talk to players? Like you say, the way you were with the young lads now, do you have to, even in the Luton first team dressing room, has that evolved then in the last five years? Or is that how fans perceive it and we're wrong? Our, dress, our dressing room is, is pretty similar to uh, what, we, what we had. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all out there. And... Uh, uh, what. To have that, you have to have trust between junior. So if I say I'm going to do something for him, I do it. If I say something, uh, David, if you can do that and do that, you know, that would make you a better player. Those things. And then he trusts me, you know, with ev- with everything I do. You can have not not a, a, an invite. You have to create an environment, and that environment is based on trust. Mm. So, and you do that. You can't just do that by going and having a pop and all that. It's about it's the whole thing, and and it's about standards and not dropping below the standards we set. You know, in all, in all uh, parts of your life. You know, and then they need to know that I won't let them down if I possibly you know is, is there a just going off what Matt was saying is, is there a, an evolution as a, as a manager when you have been like you said work with younger players you've been manager in the Premier League you've, you've been the one at the top of the pyramid does it get to and this is not a condescending question by any stretch of imagination where you get to a stage of what and this goes to the evolution part of it where you kind of readjust what your role would be so now having worked with Nathan and, and Nathan's the boss yeah you're absolutely you're, you're right his, no yeah and is there, is there, is, does that come with time in the game does that come with hitting a certain age no, is I, it the I, perception well, of what you're, yeah. you're seeing as in football no you're absolutely that's a, that's a great point because I've I've had struggles with that because for the past near on 30 years I've led mostly mm-hmm. I've led uh, wherever I've been either as a manager or uh, as a Academy manager, and uh, apart from being married, of course, <laughs> oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> it's the first uh, time I've seen him scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 it's been it's, it's not as easy as mm. as it seems, you know. And I, I and I'm there for different reasons than just you know. Uh, and again, that's based on trust, you know. Uh, probably more about our relationship than, than most and it's um, uh, somebody asked me to go in in a similar position uh, two, about two or three years ago and I said I don't know um, the manager person, yeah. and I think he'd find it very difficult uh, for a stranger to come in that was my feelings he might not have done but I'm, I'm thinking pretty sure he would but Nathan I, I mean I employed Nathan at uh, at Charlton mm. you know and gave him that job and he went on and so I can you know we're very respectful of each other but I can you know speak the truth and when it's necessary or, or whatever you know and it's do you think Gary bringing it to Forest today then is that what Steve Cooper's done in terms of creating an environment and <coughs> setting standards pretty quickly because it was the club was pretty not on it it was on its knees on the pitch wasn't it he's made a pretty rapid transformation well I got to meet him he wanted to you know have a chat and um, we, we got we got to had we got together and uh, five or six of us and uh, it was a great insight into you know how he was going to do things and uh, I think you can see from what we've seen so far it has changed dramatically um, I just think he's unleashed all the players I think the shackles are off they looked with the system they were playing you know we knew we'd got players with pace we knew we'd got players who could counter very well we knew but it seemed like they were being a little bit restricted in that respect and he's it looks like he's walked in and said right you know you're here for a reason you're obviously good players just go and do what you do best 
you know because if you're restricted it's it's so difficult then to you know play a different way and I think he's just put maybe smiles are back on players' faces. I think training is very important as well. If you if you go into work, no matter what job you do, and you're not enjoying walking through the door, you're not going to perform your best. No, whether you're a, you know an office worker or whatever you do, and if you're walking with a smile in your face you, you, and enjoy the training, you're going to do that on a Saturday afternoon as well. well that's what happened with Brian Clough. You know, you walked in with a smile on your face, and you couldn't wait to get out there and play. And it looks like, you know, that's what's happening a little bit now at, uh, at the club. He asked to meet you then. You said you met him. No, yeah, we, we did. I think he just wanted to, you know, pick our brains a little bit, and you know, uh, myself and John McGovern um, to see about the club. I think he was totally and utterly hmm. interested in what had made the club. And we talked about when Jose Mourinho came up. Uh, nobody knew he came up because he wanted to see how a club from Nottingham could have won two European Cups the size of the city and you know that's that, that was incredible in itself that you know somebody like him would come and do that um, yeah so he, it's nice to see that he wanted to embrace you know the past as well and yeah. look at what made the club and you know that's what the ideals not everyone has embraced the history have they some of the managers no and I, I don't get that because it's it's like the the punishing us for winning things you know we can't help what we won we can't help what we did mm. you know it's you know most clubs are, you know the, the history is so important to them but you know certain managers didn't feel that way and uh, that, that's up to them but we've never been you know sort of craving the, mm. the fame for it at all it's you know we've always just been very sort of humble about it and until I Believe in Miracles came out again you know the Johnny Owen film um, you know that just sort of put us all back in the public domain again mm. Um, it was nothing to do with us, you know. It was, it was just a film. Well, so, but that, that, that type of thing, and, you, and if, I suppose if anyone's watching or listening to this, that's not a Forest fan, and I'm not for simple one second. I know exactly what it feels like to be a Forest fan, but I know, I know what it feels like to attempt to play on that pitch, and, that, and that's why that's why it is what it is. That's why that the team in the in, in the nineties was. The, the comparison comes once again with the team that won the European Cup. That's that's why it's a big club. That's why. On your, if it's on your CV, you, you just—it's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing thing to be able to say, regardless of whether the period of the time they're good, bad, or indifferent, or anything like that. So it exists because of men that come before that you stand on the shoulders on and attempt to do your little version of what they've done before. But that's—and it, it's—you try to, when you try and think back about what it was like to play for a club that had won. So when we were here in the late nineties, and, and you're going back to around the time of when you just actually come onto this planet and then moving forward in, in your life but you are aware of the size of the club because of what great players have done before you and it's there's yes I can see how that can be part of a history that might weigh a certain player down but my god it's it's I've already sworn but I won't swear again it's a hell of a lot better playing for a club like this than it is on than regards and in, in comparison to other places because we'll all have experience of different football clubs and different cultures and different Interest. People come to this and watch this place because they genuinely give a massive yes. thrill and a, <laughs> and, a, and a care about it. And if you get into football, yes, you can say it's about loving the game and it's about being able to do what you love for a living. It means nothing if you've not got several thousand people screaming and shouting and enjoying the same thing at the same time. And that is because you get the chance to play at places where great men have built it. But it's like any sport, isn't it? You go back to tennis, you know, when McEnroe was playing and Borg and play, you know, they came before everybody else and they set it up for everybody else for their records to be beaten. Golf, you get Jack Nicholas, then you get Tiger Woods and you, you want people to come and surpass them. That's what it's all about. You know, you, you don't want that history to stagnate. You want people to improve it. And, um, yeah, hopefully that, that can happen at some point here. It's, I don't know if regret's the right word for Paul, when I look around here, I can see the 1990 League Cup. You know, you're at League Title, European Cup. Is the 19, It was 84, wasn't it? It Antelope? was. I mean, is that the one regret that you have getting completely shafted as that team that could have won the UEFA Cup? Um, a regret or, or anger? Uh, I don't know, but it um, it was a dastardly trick. And, Good uh, use of the word there. Yeah, you could use. When Van uh, Van den Stock, the president of Amalek, has still got the stand yeah, named after him. him. Mm. You know, and he cool. paid. It only came to light when he was being blackmailed by the courier, Jeez. taking the money. And 
uh, he because he, he was being blackmailed, he went to court and it all came out. Mm. It's disgraceful. Yeah, but it came out after the statute had run out. We tried yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to no, Belgium that's right. because the, you know, we were yeah, yeah. going to sue them. Mm. And he was clever enough to have done it so <laughs> the time had run out that we, you know, we could have done that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we would have won that final. You know, we played with Spurs in the final. Spurs in the final, you know, Tony yeah. Parks made the penalty saves and he was yeah. the hero. Yeah. But, you know, they were a good side, to be fair, Anderlecht. They had a, some good players. We were 2-0 they played up. Really well. yeah. We were 2-0 yeah. up from this game here. And then the penalty, my goodness. And, and the penalty, uh, Kenny, Kenny Swain... Tough. Kenny Swain uh, was must have been four yards away, and that was the closest he got to him all night. He <laughs> <laughs> was about four yards away from him. <laughs> And the free the free kick was a cracker. The boy scored. But uh, what do you call it? He scored long range, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, what he, um, he was a good player. Yeah, he was. But so that good we can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Three two, three two, and then boom, it goes in. Mm. Sweet as a nut. Nobody. I was I, I was sub because I'd had my spinal fusion in 1984, so I've not played in any of the games. So I was on the bench and I came on. And I was watching, from, uh, in, I was in the box when the ball came across, and I watched him because it went over me. And he didn't do anything. There's no, you know, it's a, a, more or less a free header. He yeah. won it really well. There's no yeah. contact. No. There was no con- You can't be offside from a corner. And we're all celebrating, and the referee's. Well, oh, it's just if you, crazy. If, you, if you look at there's a grainy footage somewhere, and it shows the keeper going like this to his, whoever let him in. You know, he's about, he's remonstrating. And there's a. There's a there's a time lapse, and then you well you get a whistle, you know, and he pulled. And we never we didn't chase after referees or anything. We weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to. And uh, uh, but but I think the I think the gaffer knew. Well, he said he he twigged it, didn't he? he? Twigged it because the referee's door was opposite our dressing room door, and the officials of their club kept going into the referee's room. You've been on this a million times. I've never asked you when you left here. Paul's manager. Do you regret that now? Because they were on with hindsight. Well, you went to the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's from the point of view of we um, we had a very very promising team. It's funny because I got offered a new contract, and there was a there was a day when Paul was off, and obviously Bomber was number two, wasn't it? And and I'd spoken to my agent at the time. I think it, subsequently, I think I was his first client. I think one of his last deals was Virgil Van Dijk to Liverpool. So <laughs> by the end of it, we didn't really keep in touch. We loved each other. Um, and I'd said to um, Bomber, I said, Oh, Brooks, can I have a uh, contract? I said, Bomber, I've discussed it with my agent and, and did this and said that. And we just don't think it's the right time to say, oh, OK, Brooks, no worries. Friday morning, he's back in. Bees, uh, Brooks. And he went, oh, What? And he went, Gaffman's just like, oh, but, oh I know what he's going to ask now. <laughs> Sit down. Contracts? Said it. I don't think. Shut up. Contract, just sign <laughs> it, shut up. It's you like, tried to Brian Clough. Yeah, yeah, but I said, well, it's great, laid it all down. It's this, it's that, it's that. And, I was like, and then the moment, and obviously, when, you've got, when you're in the bird pit, like, yeah, it's this and it's that. And I was like, it oh, sounds really good, yeah. And I've and I read it like hundreds of times. Like, What's that thinking? Yeah, it sounds really good, that runway agent. I think we said, no, 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 no. But lots of backwards and forwards. And it got to the point where, the opportunity to go and play in the Premier League that was mm. the kind of fundamental about it and having since been able to fan around and talk about <laughs> football and, and having that cachet of being in the Premier League for that small amount of time it, it reverberates however small it is but um, it was when I moved on and I remember because we were Southampton got to the cup final that year I played one game for Forest at West Ham. I was skipper. Got tired. But then the the pessimist in me thinks if I was available, we might have got nowhere near the final. <laughs> so I remember watching, and I don't know whether I've misremembered the dates of it, but I remember watching in the hotel room the second leg of against Sheffield United. So mm. I watched it as we were building up to the cup final, and there was and there was a I, I can't remember whether I, I touched base with Paul later that night or, or because he I might we might have moved on and almost kind of cutting the open strings a little bit, but phone call was always there if you needed mm. to discuss anything or there was no there was no yes employer and employee of party companies but when you've got that real nugget of a relationship from being a young uh, an adolescent then he was always there to be able to talk to but um, then moving on and, and then seeing what that team did and, and how close-knit that team was because having been in dressing rooms subsequently when we won at Swindon which was god-awful but we um, that that balance of 
good older pros, mm. really good young lads. It's not as straightforward as you think. Just because mm. it's a lot of lads playing football together, it's, it's not. It's not given that they're going to be. Re- but we had we socialised together as much as Paul knew. We we uh, <laughs> we uh, hung out together. We, we we spent time with each other. We it, yeah. we loved each other. It was yeah. great. And it was fantastic. But the um, I mean, looking back, possibly. But then I moved to Southampton and um, met my future wife, and, and well, my extended family were all from down there. So it's that sliding doors moment. But there was sometimes a little bit where I thought it could have been something pretty special here because I'd seen JJ go he'd gone six months probably earlier yeah, and Dawson well, and Reedy left afterwards didn't they yeah. I think that's a, a I think that was a massive opportunity mm. that uh, uh, you would have regretted mm. I think not going mm. for the test you know, yeah and uh, but equally um, it was uh I remember, I remember going to Crystal Palace after the, the game after you'd left, mm. and I'm thinking, "Gosh, what, what am I going to do?" You know, and uh, but you, you know, we, we sort of, like you say, we had a good group of lads, and we we, we managed, and uh, and of course we played that diamond uh, most of the time, mm. where everybody we've been playing it for about five years. It, it, and it was so well drilled. Yeah. The, the next one on the conveyor yeah. could bush. The yeah. next one, and, it, and that's, uh, that's how it went. That's how it went. It was good, but I, I think I think you have to take opportunities like yeah. that. Personally, you know. And the thing is, behind, I mean, the decision you make in that moment is probably the right decision because you 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 are you are making the decision, balancing up all the knowledge that you've got. Mm. And you don't know what's mm. going to turn out. What's what's going to come next? What what is around the corner? So I went there when, and Gordon Strachan's the manager. I think within a year, Gordon had gone to take a sabbatical, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of similarity. You, you would have worked with Gordon, come across Gordon, and very similar in this is what we're doing. You will be the fittest team that this will be as fit as you've ever been. Mm-hmm. You, you will work hard. You'll you'll get your rewards from being from putting yourself at my kind of uh, beck and call, and that's. But in the sense of, and also the other side of it, very personable and, and, and really uh, caring and kind and, and interested in the person as well. But the standards, standards were there. Mm. And then he moved on, and Godstrack owes me nothing for taking me to Lampton and, and however his career has progressed. But he did kind of, wow, well, I thought, well, the gap's not going to be here for like four or five years because mm. that was a major part of going there. And it was still a pivotal time. So I moved when I was 21. And obviously, all twenty-one-year-olds think they know everything, don't they? And you, you're man of the world at that age, and you know absolutely sad all. So you still need at these little, these little um, junctures in your life, the right people. Not not saying that you've got no responsibility for your career because you absolutely have. It's your career, no one else's. It's absolutely your responsibility. But if you're lucky enough to come across the right people at the right time, just to give you the nudge or a kick up the arse or a little arm on the shoulder, <laughs> then hopefully you meander you into the right way. Well, I was lucky enough at the end of my career to be at Grimsby, and we won two automatic promotions and. I told people I enjoyed that as much as winning the European Cups because mm. there were a lot of young lads in that mm. team, but there were a lot of experience. I played with Paul Futcher, Steve Sherwood, uh, Steve Sherwood was mm. in goal, mm. uh, John Cockrell was the central midfield with um, Sean Cunnington. Glenn Cockrell, wasn't it? Was it Glenn Cockrell? No, it was John. Oh, was it? Yeah, and we had two little wingers, David Gilbert and... Uh, Gary Child and it was the mixture was great and the joy and delight mm. of, of them getting promotion yeah. it was just a, you know it was great to watch and Alan Buckley he, he had a great way of uniting players and, and doing the right things doing the basics right and if you stepped out of line even at that level then you know he'd make sure that you, you, you know you got chastised for it if he mm. thought you were majorly wrong you know we had a lad called Mark Lever daftest lad in the world you know <laughs> centre off and he's always trying to you know take the gaffer on with things and there was a tree in the far corner of the train where we trained he said right Mark round that tree you know and about 20 times this training session Lever would be going round that tree at the bottom of the training and but yeah you know we had Keith Alexander you know yeah. people yeah. like that at the club and it was just a great way to finish my career and you know the standards were really good there and if you haven't got those basics and those standards I don't think you can be a success I really don't you're lucky if you do Mm. Um, there's one more person I want to ask about Paul before we run out of time from that era is Andy Reid because Nick Marshall was on this thanks for putting me in touch with him the student he was on it was he and he got got, (laughs) sorry to jump in on this but it was I mean Nick he's a very intelligent fella very funny fella 
but coming into the the dynamic of of ex footballers moving into coaching, my word, he, he talked about him learning on the job and uh, ah, it was great. He, and he, but he, but he, one of that we, we all grew together, and by the end of it, he was given as good as he got. But I mean, Nick Nick was the first signing, uh, staff signing, yeah. because he'd been at Leeds uh, working like under fourteen, I think it was something like that, and uh, and I just. I remember we'd done some CPD stuff yeah, yeah. and all that, and I remember I remember him and talking about him. And he'd just come out of university, and I thought this is perfect. <laughs> this, is, this is all very selfish. This is perfect. <laughs> you bring the best people in, don't you? This is <laughs> this is perfect. You come in, do all this work on the death, you know, and I can go out. <laughs> Spend as much time on the grass as possible. He was, he was brilliant for yeah. us. He really was. He did say um, that Reedy. Uh, was not difficult to be fair but he was a challenge and he said you had to deal with him and now we see Andy Reid managing the under 23s here I guess you wouldn't have predicted that when he was a 14 year old slightly gobby Irish lad well <laughs> probably now he's still a gobby Irish lad <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd be delighted with you I'm trying to get him on here if the uh, Forest Press officer will help me out yeah. <laughs> probably uh, uh, I probably wouldn't have seen him as a coach um, although you know, with with players with exceptional ability, you always think uh, the, the the worry you have is can because he's so natural or or appears to be, will he be able to understand players who are not quite that, who can't quite mm. get it, and all that? But I think I think he has, and uh, he he had the he had a real strong mentality. It was a challenge. I remember taking him across for a, to sign his contract. And he's having a pop at me on the way across. <laughs> and I said, I said, do you know where we're going now? <laughs> he says, yeah. I said, and you're talking like that? <laughs> and you're going to sign, he's going to sign a, con- a new contract with, a, you know. I said, I can't believe you. <laughs> but we had some battles. We're great pals now. We were great pals. But he now. kept us younger, didn't he? Because the, the way that we worked with the Irish education. The Irish education. So he came over at 15, didn't he? Or, I think it was. Yeah. You lost some of his contract. No, he was over here. He was over here before before I got here, Mm. or he come that first summer uh, that was here. Uh, But you're absolutely Mm. right. There was an anomaly uh, with the uh, age group or something in Ireland, and he was over very early. Really young, yeah. And we we come in 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 a sixteen year old. You still feel quite callow, don't you? But he was he was a a younger version because I think so. He'd have been here a year, maybe more. So when I joined. 16 he was already part of the furniture yeah. he was he was the kid that um you do the warm-ups and um any any passenger with Reedy the only way you get the ball of Reedy in a passenger is to stand as far away as possible it, not nothing on this short flight so you could just show everyone how, how fantastic he was and he, he was one of those that you uh, and you, you kind of I remember I was reading or listening to Frank Clark talking about playing and Frank Clark obviously fantastic player but he was talking about how it, the game just overwhelmed him with the concentration he had to put in. It, it, it was coming out of every single pore that he'd got, and you'd watch someone like Reedy, who just <laughs> was naturally yeah. gifted. And that's yeah. that was, and that's why I always loved that. That's that contrast of I don't mind running my socks off if you're going to keep doing what you're doing because I can't do that, and you don't want to do this, mate. So <laughs> you've got to meet somewhere in the middle, and that's and it, and, it, and and again, that's the challenge, isn't it? It's, it's the, the the Glenn Hoddle conundrum of how you teach players that are nowhere near as good as you how to do certain things on a football pitch and it sounds like he's mastering it really those two words in football consistency and concentration two of the most important words I think there are because you switch off lose your concentration the 90th minute you get done for it and consistency David Platt always said great players don't get better they get more consistent and I thought that's one of the best things mm. I've, I've heard mm. because it's true it's absolutely you know. true it is. Yeah. Yeah. when they talk about Andy Reid do you have a similar sort of thing with John Robertson or am I just saying two left foot wingers type thing or was there some of the personal characteristics there around Robbie between a, a gifted oh team? he was he was a golden child Robbo was wasn't he <laughs> um, pre-season training Woolerton Park I mean, I love running so it didn't bother me at all but past the side of the golf course when you go up the hill towards the garden there's loads of trees on the left and we'd start and the gaffer would say Robbo along with Burns you think that tree 500 yards up there you go and start from there so the rest (laughs) 
dear. Yeah, so the rest of us had to run the extra 500 yards. There's Rob, Robbo. We still catch him. We still catch him, the faster one of us. Um, but you, on match days, you used to see the smoke coming out the toilet. You know, he was having his fat, he did the old oily rag before the game. But the gaffer trusted him implicitly, you know. Just just an incredible talent. You know, Paul will tell you. Just Every Forest player who played with him, you know, he's the best player we ever played with. You know, simple as. How did you defend against him? You would have played against him as well. well. We played, no. I, I never played with him because he, he uh, left yeah, two days after night. I arrived. Yeah. <laughs> he said it. He said it was just a coincidence. But I'm not so sure. <laughs> but the uh, um, uh, so we came here. We came here. Leeds. Um, we we put uh, Kevin Hurd man to man on him. And mm. um, and I don't know if you played that day, Gary. I can't quite remember. Uh, but we got. R- Absolutely murdered. Uh, so he just stood. He just stood still, and never. He could because he he didn't bother uh, John if he'd ever got a kick. If it, if we were winning, yeah. if you if you won. So these two, if it was him and um, Tony, uh, just spinning in the channel around there, we got absolutely murdered. <laughs> and Robbo never moved, <laughs> and, and neither did Kevin Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, he was so difficult. Liverpool tried to double mark. They put Jimmy Case and Phil Neal on him, and they couldn't stop him. You know, because over five yards, he was just different class. He, he couldn't run. You know, he wasn't a sprinter. But over five yards, he just left you for dead. And a right-footed winger playing on the left, you know, right-footer playing on the left wing, and two great feet. You know, absolutely wonderful. You know, to say David Beckham was the best crosser, he wasn't. Mm. Robbo just didn't pick you out he just put it in an area and if you didn't get there that was your fault but he was he was a delight to play with um, let's finish with five minutes on the present day championship so I won't ask Paul any questions again I'm in trouble don't worry <laughs> um, you did the QPR game I did yeah you? should Forrest uh, have had a penalty or two and should there have been a red card for that foul on Mighton wow uh, I thought the penalty shots were good chance mm-hmm. especially when you saw the Mitrovic penalty that was awarded on Saturday lunchtime. Um, yeah. Him going to ground because he's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good, obviously fantastic player as well. Um, and I thought, I thought what Brennan did, especially in the first one, was absolutely right. As you were always taught, get the ball down. If you go across your opponent, then you invite either the clip of the heel or the push in the back. So I thought they were unfortunate because of that. I thought second half weathered a bit more of a storm. But I, I thought over the course of what I'd seen of 95 minutes, I thought the draw was 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 pretty fair. I mean, if it's it's not every game you're going to see Jack score one from that type of distance, albeit with a bit of a deflection. I think it's first gone in two and a half years or something, wasn't it? But uh, just echoing what Gary had said earlier on about what you're seeing now, only in a very short kind of measurement of time with what Steve's done, is very very. Um, bright and very um, encouraging because it's it's what and again without wanting to preempt what a Forest fan thinks but that general consensus of playing football in a certain way even though as we've said the game does evolve but the fundamentals stay the same There's, because there, there were times under Chris where it looked like they were settling for a point there's one game here specifically I, I, I say specifically but I can't remember who it was against it was in lockdown so obviously nobody watching the game but it got to 70 minutes and it felt like Forest were happy with a point which Maybe in the scheme of how that season had developed, you can understand why, but it still felt a little bit um, negative. But um, yeah, uh, really encouraging signs. The Fulham game, obviously a little bit different. Three shots, three goals, and, a, and an own goal. That shows how good Fulham sh- should be with Premier League money and the depth of the squad that they've got. But I think so far, so good on the stage. I think the thing is, the game, people were saying about Chris, you know, what a great bloke he is, and he is, without a doubt. But the game has evolved a lot since he got his last team three years ago. The game, I think, massively. You, well, you would see that working within the game as well. And, you know, methods that work then don't work now so much. You know, you've got to change things up a little bit. And I was watching Norwich again yesterday. They're, I, they're the uh, similar team. He is so negative as a manager. I did them a lot at, when they got relegated the first was it the first time and what he'd do he'd, he'd make a substitution he'd take Pukie off and then put another striker on he wouldn't because he's losing the game he wouldn't say right let's yeah. go two up front he, yeah. yeah and it, it just baffled me you know you just got to go and try and win a football match any way you can but not by doing that mm. it's, and I, I, I watch uh, obviously uh, both the manager 
at our place and um, Chris Cohen who recently left and, and, and came to us and they uh, they knocked me out because uh, you know I think we're probably on the second lowest budget in the, in the league and all that and we we do really well uh, but they change mid flow they change it you know they're tactically so well aware and you know and we can play now or we try and play uh, two or three different systems and it can change in a game to address the opposition well you know if for instance if you're playing a team in the top two or three yeah. you might have to change like that or or to have a go at somebody or whatever and they can change it you know but it's interesting it's interesting you know how many people actually put two up front these days you know isn't it not many yeah, but I'm not saying that's the you know four four two is the right thing to do. I think it was a game against Barnsley. Was it Barnsley? I don't think we were you can in play four four two anymore. No, we yeah. were in yellow shirts, and before you'd have seen either Lyle Taylor or Lewis Graben isolated by themselves up front, <coughs> Forest deep, so deep that if you did get out, it was difficult. But against Barnsley, I'm seeing when we get the ball from defence, there's about four or five breaking the neck mm. to join in, mm. you know, and get up and, and support. And that's what's been causing Absolutely. teams problems, yeah. you know, because we've been getting players forward um, better than we've, we have done in the past couple of years. And mm. it causes problems for a defender, you know, that yourself. And, uh, you know, I think I could have played sometimes against, uh, mm. you know, even mm. at my age and fat. Um, <laughs> Because it was, you know, I know how difficult it is to play up front by myself, and it's the hardest job in the. If you've got no support, it's the hardest job in the game to do that. And I, I just felt sorry at times for the, the strikers because they were isolated and they were getting stick, um, but they were getting no support. You know, it's vital that they. And like I say, now it's just a totally different ball game. You know, it looks like everything's come together. They look a happy team. And if you're a happy team, like I said, coming into work is so important. And they're taking it out on the pitch with them. You can have your, you know, your blips. Of course you are. You're not going to win every game. But they're still in contention, you know. One point they're on at the bottom of the table and we're thinking, where's the next goal coming from? Where's the next win? And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're talking about playoffs and things like that. That's how quickly it's changed around. Is, uh, from a midfielder's point of view, is Yates the epitome of what's changed? Because a lot of... Uh, under Hewton his instinct seems to go back but mm-hmm. his uh, first instinct now is to pass forwards and he always receives ball when he turns and looks forwards is that somewhat what's changed to an extent? Uh, we should do but I, I, I don't think Ryan's possibly young enough to get away with that I, I think he's, he's played enough football to know that fundamentally if you are going to play in that position that's got to be part of your armoury especially in a division such as this it's um, it's part of not the modern day midfielder because and again it goes back to I don't know what Roy Keane's cause we've, only because we mentioned him earlier on about talking about different numbers of midfielders what happened to running up and down and scoring goals and defending and doing everything he meant to do in the middle of the pitch but with Ryan he's got the athleticism to get forward having spoken to former teammates of his is the type of player that takes information on board that wants to learn that wants to get better to want, that wants to be part of a forest midfield of a good forest midfield that's, that's challenging at the top end of the, of the pitch and I think I mean, there was an opportunity which, almost by hook or by crook, got to him on Friday night, which a dominant attending to his own net. He was on the opposition goal line, which shows how advanced he thought he needed to get. Which was maybe is it a slight change in his um, his um, responsibility? And with a player such as Ryan, who I think he's he's had his people that the fair share of debate about him, which I think is safe enough to say in it. But sometimes when you allow a player like that to get himself lost in the game and use that athletic ability to get up and down simplifies his game and then that's not that's not me questioning the football intelligence of the player players react to different responsibilities I, I liked it when it was simple run up and down edit kick it tackle don't get on my nerves try not to get books which obviously more often than not that's my dad ringing to say about that but um, the um, to ring it to say we're going to turn the heat on in a minute you've got a dew drop on the end of your nose there <laughs> I tell you it's that cold in here but and, and that's 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 that can free a player up being able to do right Ryan you stick to what you're good at you're getting up and down the pitch playing I think the problem was Brots, and, I think it was when him and Colback were in the team together yeah. and they were Ultra defensive, yeah, doing, the same job. yeah, doing exactly the same job in front of the. Yeah, so you got two players trying to pick the ball off of two centre halves, and it was just not working. And uh, it's worth everyone looking round up the pitch. Yeah, they? and then you said if Lyle's up there on his own or, or Lewis, it, 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 the centre forward's looking back, thinking where on earth is 
everybody else and you might have the two slightly wider players that are, should do more coming yeah. in and out which I think we're seeing a bit more of but t- and again sorry to digress but when you talk about how individual players react to other players Joe Lolly and Matt Cash together down the right was fantastic mm-hmm. you get it arguably got Matty a move to the Premier League being able to play like that get up and down the pitch and we saw a bit more of it with um, with Jed and um, with Brennan yeah that cat type of energy still boxes my mind that I remember what, watching mm-hmm. David Johnson's wife coming to watch games and <laughs> Brennan was happily sat watching the game and yeah. now he's now he's Forest best player Forest best player and quite rightly being discussed but uh, I'm sure they don't well, want you, to you, again, you're talking about midfield players I mean thinking about players who played here who used to go past you Mm. Can you remember that, the times when midfield players actually used to go past the striker? Yeah. Neil Webb, Ian Bowyer, uh, Steve Hodge, uh, Archie Gemmell, people like that. Where's that? Why is it in a dying art? It, it used to cause total confusion and engage defenders. And I just think the game's made too easy for defenders at the moment. Right. You'd have had the King Edward Cigar on now, you would if you were playing. Yeah. No Frank Lampard's running past anyone anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll just mention for you, but Gerard used to do it. Mm. Lampard, but it, just, it seems to be a dying art, unfortunately. Yeah. I think we shall leave it there. So thank you very much to Gary, Paul and Prutz. Very much appreciated. And thank you to everyone who's listened for 100 episodes. I should have said that at the start, but we do appreciate it. <laughs> Terrible hosting. But you oh, you're going to have to buy us all a coat now because we're freezing. <laughs> Thanks to Forrest for hosting us again. So <laughs> <laughs> these two getting free though, the winter allowance, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I have my flu jab, my pneumonia jab, my booster jab. I've had so many jabs at the moment. Thank goodness. The, save, Thank goodness. the saving it for players apparently did, was a shout, wasn't it? I did, did I dare not say, what are the requirements? I don't remember anything about eating. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. It's been great to have everyone here. It's been great for Forrest to host us. And here's to another 100 episodes, hopefully. And we'll catch everyone soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.